Okay, sir, you're a Lebowski, I'm a Lebowski. That's terrific. But I am very busy, as I imagine you are. What can I do for you, sir? Uh, well, sir, it's, uh, this rug I have, it really tied the room together. Uh, you told Brandt on the phone, he told me. Where do I fit in? Well, uh, they were, they were looking for you, these two guys. Uh, you know, I'll they... say it again. You told Brandt on the phone, he told me. I know what happened, yes, yes. Oh, so you know that they were trying to piss on your rug. Did I urinate on your rug? You mean, did you personally come and pee on my rug? Hello! Do you speak English, sir? Parla usted English? I'll ask you again. Did I urinate on your rug? No, like I said, woo, or peed on my rug. I just want to understand this, sir. Every time a rug is micturated upon in this fair city, I have to compensate the person. Come on, man, I'm not trying to. This is Gutterballs. The Lebowski Deepcast. Oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Welcome to Incest in Space, Brad and Adam's Star Wars podcast. Providing insight. He's trying to embezzle money out of his own foundation that's supposed to help impoverished children. <laughs> He's exactly right. Commentary. I got my half and half in the bone ball. I'm going home. And conjecture. Do you see this? Do you see this everywhere? Wow! That's one for the canon of the history of film. And now, Gutterballs! So this is episode 13, correct? Not 12 and a half, not 12 and three quarters. Nope. We're all the way into 13. It's an integer, is it not? 13? It is an integer. I believe all our episodes up to this point, except for maybe one, was an integer. Yeah, we've got a very high integer to non-integer ratio. Yes. I didn't know what to say about this episode. I watched it once or twice, and I was looking at it saying... There's not really anything here. Well, I think there's some things here. Oh, there are definitely things here. It took me till viewing five or six, I would say, and then the things started falling from the sky. I mean, I don't think we even need to get into like the nitty gritty. I mean, we can. I mean, we will, of course. But before that, I mean, the thing you know, even more broadly that I wonder watching this is how, um, you know, so th so this is the episode, this is the minute where the titular Big Lebowski, well, the perhaps titular Big Lebowski, we've talked about that before, but, you know, Lebowski, Rich Lebowski, wheelchair Lebowski, comes in, starts, you know, the dude is just like, hey, you know, I'm just here to talk to you about my rug. And the other Lebowski's just like, what? What do you mean? It's not my problem, etc. He's blustery. Very, very blustery, yes. Very like, I'm a big important man. Why are you bothering me? You're a bum looking for a handout. Right. And Jeff Bridges, the dude, the dude seems like completely taken aback. Like, I don't think he realized going in here that there would really be a problem. 
like he just thought oh yeah this guy you know i'll come in and be like hey you know they were looking for you and these guys ruined my rug so you know how about you you know help me out do a little reparation here they could settle it like gentlemen he'd give them a, you know cool honey two honey and he'd go get a new rug right like no big deal it's no to- big totally, deal totally understandable like what else what else could possibly happen in this especially situation? once he's you know escorted into this cavernous mansion he's like all right you know couple benjamins what's the big deal he's obviously got it so this all makes perfect sense exactly and so what it got me thinking was you know were you ever in a situation like this yourself personally where uh wow that's a hell of a thing to lay on somebody with a head full of acid but it is I, I love to just, you know, whip this out there with no preparation. But we you had, asked had, me that, and like, yeah, I think I have been, where you enter a situation, and you're like, okay, there's really only one possible outcome. It makes perfect sense to me. But then you get in the situation, and the other party just completely doesn't see it that way. Right, and the other party, I think it goes hand in hand somehow with the other party being somehow like important maybe self-important yeah or you know well to do or something else right and entitled to a degree exactly you go in there it's like hey man and so so you know this is again touching on the universality of lebowski i mean do you have a any specific examples you could share about without getting without getting too personal Right, about being in a situation like this? Yeah, yeah. Don't let Um, any trade secrets out or anything, but... Asking for raises, probably. A couple times I've asked for raises professionally, and uh, it just seemed to make sense. Now, I've done that a few times, and I will tell you that the times that I've succeeded are when I gave the least amount of shit like I didn't give a shit what the outcome was and I went into the meeting or what have you with the idea that if I don't get exactly what I want I walk away but that that's right raise asking is basically yeah. so when I've you gotten. say you don't care about the outcome you meant you didn't have anything to lose Correct. You cared about the outcome, like you wanted the money per se, but if you didn't get it, it was like, well, F you then. If I didn't want the money enough to stick with that particular employment if I didn't get the money. Right, right. And that's really, I mean, the only way you can go in there, right? It's That's it. It's the only way you can You can't way go you in can and succeed. be like, I'd like this raise, but if you don't give it to me, that's okay too, because I'll still stick around. Right. right? Then it just doesn't no work. Power, then. No, it doesn't. You're like Oliver asking, please, sir, may I have more? You know? And then he just wants to kick you because you're like some dog. You're like a cur that's lower than the low. So, yeah. What about you? Have you been in a situation like this? You know, I feel like I have, although I'm I'm struggling to really think of like a specific example. I mean, I know 
that I had to have been because even watching this, it feels somehow so familiar. It's very familiar. And again, I think in my life, it is also professional, all, all professional situations where, you know, you go into some sort of, you know, professional meeting or something like that. And, you know, you think, okay, it's just we're going to talk about something. You know, we're going to figure out some course of action. Well, like the other party is It all gets like, turned on its head. No. What are you... How dare you come speak <laughs> yes. in my presence? Like, yeah, you know, it can happen. It does happen. It happens a lot. So, the dude is here. He's, I never... Yeah, sorry. He, he's sorry. a disheveled mess. In fact, I... Maybe that's part of the universality and why I connect to it. Because I did, you know, when I w am in these situations asking for the raise or whatever. I do feel like a disheveled mess, but I just hold on to I have this one belief. I must get the raise. Nothing else matters. It's all and I'm willing to walk away from the job if I don't get it. The dude just wants his rug back. He is willing to do whatever as we see in a future minute. But let's let's talk about this for a second. The dude didn't, like, walk into the house. He didn't, like, storm the door, bang on the door. He didn't even call Jeffrey. He called, and he talked to Brant. Who knows? Maybe someone before Brant. Right, yes. He talked to Brant. Brant heard the words that the dude said and thought that that was important enough because you got a guy calling up saying... These guys were looking for Jeffrey Lebowski, some other Jeffrey, your Jeffrey Lebowski, and they put my head in the toilet, and they peed on my rug, and why would Brant relay this information to Jeffrey Lebowski? So not only that, Jeffrey Lebowski, the titular, theoretically titular Jeffrey Lebowski, heard the words that Brant was saying to him, and even he thought it important enough for some reason, to have this person come into his home. And he set a meeting with him. Why would you do that? I have theories, but I'm asking you. That's a, it's a good question. It's something I was wondering myself watching, well, again, re-watching this minute. Um, I don't know that I have a good theory other than it might have to do something with what we were saying earlier. I think it might, you know, it might not make logical sense, but it might play into the idea of um, the, what can we call this guy? The Rich Lebowski, right? The Rich Lebowski's um, character of kind of like, you know, he has this wall full of plaques, self-aggrandizement. Some of them mm -hmm. really don't mean a whole lot, right? It's kind of like, he'll just kind of like meet with, with anyone or anything. This might be like, oh, you know, I'm an important person and this person, you know, is going to come and request an audience with me. So I will, I will oblige them and lord over them. Right, it's an opportunity to lord over someone. Right, I think so, part of it is also it's it could it's like maybe even a a minor plot hole. Well, let's touch on that. I have two ideas as to why the rich Lebowski would take a meeting 
with Bum Lebowski, which he's got to know he's Bum Lebowski because he got his head dunked in a toilet and someone peed on his rug. That doesn't happen to, you know, non-losers, I guess. Well, if he was a non-loser and that happened to him... He would call the police. Tr- that's tr- well, he would call the police as well as it's truly tragic. <laughs> yeah, right. right. We talked about this. It's a like very scarring event. Right. That but he kind of just brushes it off. Yeah, because he is a loser. He is. He understands. This is just. This is just. He 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 lives in that realm. That that's his station. Yes, but to, to happen to someone you know of a higher station, the FBI would be called in. Right. SWAT teams. And it would be a serious, yeah, traumatic event. Make the event. news, and, yeah. Yeah, and the rich Lebowski would have such sympathy, right, if it happened to one of his own ilk. Why right. this brute came in and maturated right. upon my rug. Could happen to any of us then. This will not stand. Okay, my theories. I have two. I'm not sure which one I believe, if either of them. Theory number one, the reason the Rich Lebowski takes the meeting, and I kind of like your idea of you know, just an opportunity to lord over another person and self-aggrandize a little bit. I like that. But once Brant relayed the idea that you know, this loser's on the phone, but the thug said, Bunny owes money all over town. Uh-huh. I think that is the key. Oh, he meant said bunny. He didn't just say you're what. He said bunny. Bunny owes money all over town. Bunny says you're good for it. So I think that was the key. He's like, let's see what this guy knows. And the rich Lebowski probably wanted to get more information out of the dude. Like, what is my trophy wife doing now? He has no control over her. She's just, uh, you know, slamming around everywhere. But he wanted some info. He probably wanted some intel. He's not going to ask for it. But he was going to try to see, you know, what was going on. And it doesn't happen in this minute, but the next minute, it's the only time where the dude is able to get a reaction. Like, he kind of has the upper hand. He mentions Bunny, even though... The rich Lebowski shuts that down pretty quickly because he slams on the table. My wife! It's not the issue. So I think maybe that was the key. And just like, number one, getting the intel on his, you know, out of control, young hotness wife. And number two, separating himself, like drawing a line. Okay, I understand my wife is or has been into some nefarious BS. I am separate from that. I am a very important, upstanding person. My wife is not the issue, you know? So having like just public knowledge out there, I'm, boom, it's now on the record. I am different from her. I don't approve of everything she does. That's theory number one. Okay. I like that theory. I mean, I like the fact that the word bunny could get him in there, and you're probably right. That could do something. Right. I mean, it doesn't necessarily jive with how he does, like, you know, he doesn't necessarily get any info from 
the dude. And as soon as the dude mentions, you know, you know, your wife owes money all over town, you know, he slams on the table, immediately shutting down any mention of his wife. Right. Maybe he's so disgusted with the dude's general malaise that he doesn't even care about the info anymore. I don't know. He just yeah. considers him worthless immediately right. upon first inspection. Right. As soon as he sees the dude, everything flies out. Right. This he, is nothing. He's, he's so horrified at the state of America at this point that, you know, people like the dude would exist. Bums like him would exist. Not even exist, but now be in his own home and asking right. for a quote-unquote handout. Right. Exactly. That's it. It's all over for him. As far as he's concerned, the world has really ended. So theory number two, and this, this one's a little more intricate, but theory number two is that this is the beginning of the Rich Lebowski's plot, his scheme to embezzle money from the foundation. Oh, there's some loser who wants to take a meeting and is looking for a handout. I will take this meeting because, and now it can go branch off in different directions at this point, because I am going to come up with a little, uh, you know, caper with these nihilists and Bunny, probably, to embezzle money from my foundation. We just need a sap to pin it on. And something that seems to be gaining more traction in my mind is the fact that the dude and Walter, but mainly the dude, I guess, they tell us exactly what's happening in this movie. But then they start to not believe it. But really, it's, tr it's true. She kidnapped herself. But then, you know, we don't believe that because the toe, the whole toe thing. But really, they tell us right away as soon as the, you know, oh, she got kidnapped. Boom, she kidnapped herself. So I, well, I think that maybe there's a chance the Rich Lebowski is in league with the Nihilists because, remember Brad, right outside, right when the dude and the Rich Lebowski are having this meeting, there's a Nihilist floating in his pool right now. Yes. So... I, I never fully understood all the ramifications of uh, this this caper, and then especially the Jackie Treehorn element. I've never, and the bunny thing, I've never understood fully how they right. all interconnect. And maybe it is a plot hole. He uh, He's in league with Bunny and the right. Nihilists. <clears throat> yeah. Well, even hearing you talk about this, I realize I have no idea what actually happens in this movie. <laughs> Like, I need to watch the whole thing again. This is kind of what I'm talking about, though. This is kind of what I'm talking about, because it's difficult to figure out what's happening in this movie. Right. And, and who who's in league with who, and and that's what uh, Knudsen, no. Right. The P.I. says, yeah, oh, sleeping with everybody, and, you know, in bed with this one, playing this one against that one. It's like they tell us, flat out, it's confusing. It maybe makes no sense. Right. Maybe it's not supposed to make sense. It doesn't need to make sense, because what makes this movie great Obviously is not, not. <laughs> the intricate dealings of these various characters. It's not a thriller, man. No. So explain So explain the movie to me. I mean, I guess you can't. 
But like, I, I can't. Who sends the ransom note in? Well, like who demands the ransom at first? The nihilists. Brad, but I am they... so glad you asked that question. Join me, won't you? Down a trip down memory lane. We're gonna go all the way back to 12 minutes and 31 seconds. Once okay. you park yourself on that time code stamp, we can resume this discussion. Okay. For those well, of you listening, we are parked on a frame. That is a, I guess, medium shot of the rich Lebowski seated behind his desk. With a window in the background, you can see what appears to me, at least, to be actual trees. Doesn't look to be a set. It's probably an actual location they filmed. Um, and in the foreground of the shot, we see the Rich Lebowski's desk. Yes. You see this desk? Why, yes, I do. There are, first of all, there's a lot of phallic imagery on this desk. There's, first things first, his right, our left, there are tweezers. Yes. And a series of small papers or laminate items, magnifying glass. Is it possible, first of all, what's he doing with these tweezers and these little pieces of paper? Is it possible that he is formulating the ransom note with little pieces of newspaper and letters? I think that's very, very possible. Is it possible that he's creating fake IDs for some godforsaken reason? This was thrown out there by someone else. Fake Figured IDs. I, I don't know why he would be doing that. I. He's got tweezers, a magnifying glass. Over to the right, there's a piece of paper. He's got his little fancy wooden container with note paper. Yes. And there's a pen out, as if he's been drafting some sort of whatever. Maybe he's crafting the ransom letter there. And then over on the other side, he's cutting out little pieces of newspaper to assemble them together, using the tweezers so there's no fingerprints or DNA evidence or whatever. I'm just rolling that out there like I'm, like I'm throwing rocks. Well, without a doubt, it's significant. It is... It is a clue for those of us who are observant, without a doubt. Now, whether it's a clue that's like a false clue to throw us off the trail or not Mm -hmm. could be debatable. But it's no coincidence that that stuff is there. Hell no. Every item on that desk is intentional. Wow. Major props for that. I mean, right? That's but serious business. We've they, cracked this wide <laughs> open. But he would just leave them out there like that? Well, that's the only thing I was thinking, right? Well, but it's part of, I think, the... It's kind of hubris, in a way. Yeah, and I think it's part of, you know, it's movie it's, it's movie logic. It's, it's not, not real right, world logic, right? right? No, that's it's right. The filmmaker's leaving us a clue. It's not reality, if that makes any right. sense. Right, no, that makes perfect sense. Of course. Uh, there's also been, this is not nearly as significant, well, I don't think, but there was some discussion about this uh, wooden object on his desk that um, 
looks it's in the ballpark of a cigar box but it's not quite the right shape and it's um it's like solid wood it's kind of right in the middle right yeah and then next to our left of that there's this long wooden rectangle with this like brass ring through the end of it so the question is what is that long wooden um what what shape is that cube i guess an elongated cube it's probably a better word for that i mean where i see it is you can't really see how long it is you just kind of see the tip of it and then the ring yeah you need to go a little farther i think it's towards the end of this minute yeah, there's I'm a watching. there's a full shot of it there but yeah what is that indeed well, now, are you watching the uh, your downloaded version? Right now, I'm watching the iTunes version. Which here's where we get into the tricky business of like you know aspect rate. You know, we're, and do I have a different frame framing? Right. A little cropping, a little different crop. But I'm watching my iTunes version also. But okay. earlier, so I was watching the DVD, and I could see more of it. Either way, if you go back to 12:09. As uh, just as the Rich Lebowski's pulling around his desk, uh, we're dollying in, and we have a full shot of it there. I just don't know what that thing is, and if that thing relates to the wooden box, the open-topped wooden box that's there. I mean, it doesn't seem like they're related. It's like two different types of wood, right? Like a completely different style, like the the rectangular thing with the ring is like smooth and smooth. the other one is not it's like yeah. beveled edges right yeah so two cigars there phallic imagery tweezers because the penis is so small he has to use tweezers and a magnifying glass to see it and then the lamp on the left is in the shape of two breasts yeah well there there you go the magnifying glass and the tweezers I mean that's another message right another meaning of that you just touched on right but it which one was the intention we we don't know it could they could do double duty i suppose but you have to think we we should probably know who the production designer is for this show by now but you'd have to think there was a reason behind every item on this desk i'm just randomly putting things there I heard I am the walrus on Pandora today. That's cool. The yeah. the Beatles version? Yep. Not the Sticks version? I'm sorry, what? You cut out there for a second. Oh, you heard me. <laughs> oh, I don't think I did. <laughs> oh, jeez. You just... Just when I think I'm out, you drag me back in. I do. I do. So, here's another. I'm just firing out random shit. It occurred to me that the Rich Lebowski is some sort of bastardized representation of FDR 
hear me out now. So I'm, I'm, re- I'm ready to listen. He is he's in a wheelchair, first of all. He scoots around in a wheelchair in his three-piece suits. He um, has, and the Rich Lebowski probably does this more aggressively, but he has a penchant for, um, like you said, self-aggrandizing, or at least portraying himself as different than he is. You know, he likes to, the Rich Lebowski likes to build it up and play it off like he's some massive achiever. It's all achieving, achieving, achieving. He, he doesn't do shit, we find out later. He's not even able to handle, like, modest tasks that Maud gives him. Uh, FDR didn't like to be seen in the wheelchair. He would, you know, make sure he was standing and walking for public addresses and all. FDR had the most famous pet, the most famous presidential pet, Fala? Fela? I don't know how you pronounce this dog's name. I wasn't around at the time. F-A-L-A was his little dog. Followed him around everywhere. They were like thick as thieves, the two of them. Uh, the damn dogs got a statue at the FDR memorial in D.C. Only presidential pet to have its own statue. You know what kind of dog that was? A special dog? It's a Scotty. A Scotty. Scotty. The Rich Lebowski has a Scotty too. Scotty from Boogie Nights. The little dog that just wanted, (laughs) you know, nipping it, just always there, just his little pet. Um, The Big Sleep which The Big Lebowski is a twisted version of The Big Sleep, as we talk about sometimes, was written while FDR was president. The Rich Lebowski cruises around with a little blanket over his lap sometimes. FDR, a little blanket over his lap. I found a site. I'm not going to give too much credence to this site but it actually talked about the similarities between the dude, not the dude, I'm sorry, the rich Lebowski and FDR. It says, uh, the big Lebowski is a scheming combination of Orson Welles and FDR, riding ferociously in an automated wheelchair. I've rolled it down the alley. Discuss, won't you? I can, I mean, the physical similarities are there, without a doubt. Yes. You know, I think that the Rich Lebowski definitely plays into a type of, um, you know, a stereotype. Which is what? Of the... The, the self-important rich man that abhors laziness, or so he gives lip service to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think 
his line, like, you know, are you employed? Good God, you don't go out looking for a job just like that, do you? On a weekday? Right? These very traditional, like, well, of course, if he's not employed, he's out there looking for a job. Like, there's no other option. One or the other. It's, yeah. You're either employed or you're looking. There's no other option. Right? And on a weekday, especially, like, you're going to dress not, like, you're going to dress up. It's a weekday. Job opportunity might come knocking. You better be ready for it. Exactly. It's, um, you know, I think it's a more, it's a more traditional, traditional worldview. Somewhat, you know, the typical, I'm going to get in trouble, but, you know, more along lines with like the, you know, the stereotypical, like politically conservative view. Well, I think he's definitely, you know, at least paying lip service to that point of view right well i mean he has that point of view right and so the people the stereotype of the person that gets all blustery about this right i think maybe part of the stereotype is that you know it, a lot of it is for show because really like what is this dude doing in reality right yeah. he's, ma- he's making a ransom letter on his table <laughs> to right. swindle money he's trying to embezzle money out of his own foundation that's supposed to help children right impoverished it's, children yeah I mean, it's it's like the you know the stereotype of you know the you know severely homophobic person who is actually you know secretly gay, <laughs> right? It's a similar thing here. You know who, you know if you give such a lip service, you hate such a thing, right? There's something going on inside about that, right? Right? Whether it be well, same way he talks about achieving constant achievement talk when in reality he's achieved nothing, so. He needs to always remind everyone how much he's achieved without the use of his legs. Yes. Everything's been handed to him. His own daughter handles all of the dealings. I have a phrase for it. It's called, the more you crow, the less you know. You're welcome, America. There you go. I'm going to write that down. Yeah, you know nothing. You'll see it. You'll see it in business. You'll see it in interpersonal relationships. Uh, Everywhere. The more people are slamming around, talking about how much they know, the less real shit they have to offer. But FDR similarities. Where you were starting to go somewhere with that, maybe, but... Maybe. I just kind of spun it since I didn't want to really answer your question. I spun <laughs> I it to my own. But, you know, FD, I mean, I think, again, there's a physical similarity. I think it, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily FDR per se. Maybe it is. I think it's more just, you know, invoking a, a, a kind of an old-timey image. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. He definitely seems like a man outside of time in some way. He's iconic. Yeah, iconic. And, you know, so if this is the 90s, right? This is definitely the transitional period, I think, from, you know, maybe people like him being on top, transitioning to the bums actually winning, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, right? So he's like the la- he's one of the last holdouts. 
of, of his lifestyle. I'm not going to say actually anything different. I mean, when I say the bums winning, I don't think people are actually lazier as much as they just don't put on these airs. Yeah, they don't subscribe to the same social constructs or mores or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the Kurt Cobains of the world start to uh, get the upper hand instead of the uh, Rich Lebowskis. Exactly. And Kurt Cobain was not a lazy person. Um, so FDR's dog, Fala, Fela, soldiers in World War II as like an extra measure of security as they were, would approach a checkpoint or something would use that question, what is the name of the president's dog? And they would have to answer. I see. Because every American would know that. Every American would know it. He was a part of, uh, you know, he was in newspapers. He was on presidential, in the debates, he, he had his own media presence. And this is previous to trans-global media in which, you know, maybe soldiers in Germany would not have be as privy to that. Right. You would only know it if you were local to it. Yep. Now, if you try that BS, you know, just look that up on the iPhone real quick. Right. Give the right answer. Just turn away and cough for a couple seconds and then, yeah, yep. you got it. So there's a maid in the background. Which, you know, it's a weekday. She probably has the weekends off. That's confirmed. That it is, in fact, a weekday. So... Yes. I mean, I saw her. I didn't know really what to say about her. There's but nothing I didn't to say. She's I there. watched her. I was looking for some kind of strange continuity right. error, but she there, was, there wasn't any. No, she doesn't jump around. She starts to the left, kind of works her way to the right, and then she's gone. Yep. Of course, now here's the time in the podcast where I do your favorite thing, and I look at shiny objects Ooh, okay you ready to look at a shiny object i'm, I'm ready i'm ready all right so we're gonna go to you're a lebowski i'm a lebowski that's terrific i mean he just starts off kind of being a blowhard that's why it was so perplexing at first as to why he would even take this meeting but so anyway go to I want to find the best example. Clue is it, is this going to be the bell? Yes, the bell. All right. It is the bell. The bell jar. No, just the bell. Just the bell. Well, I guess just go to like 1255. I don't think we get closer in this minute, so we'll just, we'll stick with that. There's just a line of people. Just standing there in the bell. There's also lights there. We know the other side of this room. There are no giant bright white squares on the other side of this room. There's a line of people and the lights and what is probably the camera on the left, the dark area. Not probably, but is maybe the camera. I don't know. It's pretty indistinct. 
you can get up pretty close to this. You can zoom in to this puppy and... Is there a keyboard shortcut for the zoom in? Uh, no, I just... Oh, mother. <laughs> I just used the uh, full screen command. They do a good job of holding still. They don't... They're not moving around. They, they're aware of this reflection. There's a little bit of movement right at like 1226. But they just had to be careful, you know, don't move around a lot. I just don't see it. I see like stuff, right? I see what could be like bumps kind of, but... Uh, they move though. If you watch them, they're in a different position. Especially when you cut away and cut back. You can kind of see them separate too. There is a little movement. One of them moves his head. Yeah, you can kind of see him moving. Now, I grant you, it's by no means conclusive, but yeah, those are people. I'm just saying. You know there's a room full of people. Here is a concave reflective item. We're just seeing people. That's some people. I don't have hmm. anything more to say. It's just, uh, you know, looks like some well, people Oh, there's a reflection there. Parla usted inglés. <laughs> Parla usted inglés. I'm not used to hearing Parla in there. Parlar to talk versus hablar to speak. Parla usted inglés. Well, right. But apparently, he's you can say French that. And Spanish, right? Well, he's not. I mean, parlay. So I listened to this actually several times because I thought at first he said parlay usted, right? Doesn't he? He's I. I so I uh, no. I'm pretty sure he's saying parla, which is you know that would be you know from the Spanish parlar to talk. I'm saying parlay. And as I did do some Google searching into this whole, like, okay, like, is that even correct to, to use that there? And, you know, the funny thing is if you type that up, either Parla or Parlay, Usted Inglés, you get all the links are like Big Lebowski, like the first, like, eight of them. <laughs> then after that, it goes into more just general, like, Spanish language, you know, Spanish right, dictionary right. And, and things like that. But uh, proper nomenclature. But listening to it, you know, it's hard. This is one of these things where, like, you know, based on what you think should be said, like that's what you hear. So I have an example of that. I think. All right, I need to just make sure. So, what the whole thing is. But yeah. So, you know, I, you know, I watch media. You watch non, media? Non-English speaking. I consume media from, you know, other languages, right? Okay. Sometimes... Kind of like iTunes commenter number two. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Sometimes I watch um, Japanese animation, otherwise known as Japanimation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. More popularly known as anime. Anime? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't watched that in a long time, but... I would like to watch anime again because 
it just, you know, find a good one. Let my, you know, geekiness out a little bit. I, you know, I'm losing outlets. I don't play video games anymore. Like mm. hardcore, like console video games. I have was, just started playing video games again. See, I would like to get back in there. Other than Mass Effect, the Mass Effect series, which I have not finished Mass Effect 3, even though it's been out for almost a year now, is... Yeah, other than that, there's not much. I, I just don't... I can't fit it into my life right now. It's very hard to do. I understand. I understand that. So, anyway, I was watching Japanese animation, <laughs> otherwise known as Japanimation, more properly known as anime. anime. And I would watch, back in the old days, I would watch Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. Which is what you call a shoujo anime, in that it's made for girls. Versus shonen, which would be for boys. But that's beside the point. But, you know, back in the old days, a lot of this stuff was bootleg. Right? You couldn't get it in the United States. You know, like Sailor Moon, oh, here's like, you know, the first, you know, 20 episodes or something. Maybe a fish release. How do you get the rest, you know? Right. You, it, would, it would be bootlegged from there. And, mm-hmm. you know, fans would translate it and put subtitles on there. Right. And sometimes they would put weird stuff in there. Like they would get things strangely wrong. And so, like, you know. Accidentally, these, do you think? I don't know. I would say yes, accidentally. Okay. There All your were... base are belong to us. Yes. Well, that's bad. Yeah, that's a <laughs> different. That's a kind of a slightly different phenomenon. But yeah, exactly. So th- in this case, um, and I'm trying to look up what the actual thing looks. I don't remember. But in essence, you know, the different girls have their battle cries to do invoke their power. Sailor Uranus had her power. Here in Wikipedia, I don't think this is what it is. Um, they have a thing here. It says she has a lot of different stri- strikes. All right, I take it back. Fuck this whole story. <laughs> Fuck it. This Wikipedia article is blowing up my mind of everything I've known. I'm so glad we waited. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, she does have an attack called Space Sword Blaster. I am just have the story fucked up in my head. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm the worst fucking podcaster ever. Ever. I have so little understanding <laughs> of what you're trying to communicate to me at this point. I'm trying to communicate of a time when the subtitles said something. So they call these out in English, right? But it's like, you know, transliterated into Japanese, right? Like using the Japanese sounds, right? Which are different than what we, how you construct words in English. Did you say transliterated? I did say transliterated. And that's a real word. That is a real word. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. I think I yes. understand it just intuitively, but I wanted, if yes. it wasn't a real word, I'd be scared by understanding it intuitively. Yeah. No, it's a, it's an actual word. But anyway, okay. in this one anime, she uses an attack, and it had something. I thought it was. I just probably have it reversed. She has an attack, space sword blaster. But yeah, it was something really, really f- weird. 
really weird. And you could hear her saying that when that was the subtitle. And then I said, no, the attack is really Space Sword Blaster. And then I could listen to it. Oh, yeah, that's obviously what she's saying. She's not saying this other thing. Like, you know, Kismet Dildo. That's what I thought she was saying. So is the idea here... Help me along with this one. So this is all comes idea. back to Parla <laughs> Usted. Because does he say Parlay or Parla? I don't know. I thought it was Parlay. Then I hear, no, Parla. And now I hear it. All I can hear is Parla. He says Parla. That's all I hear. Yeah, no, that's what he says. Parla Usted. Parla Usted Inglés. Not Parlay Usted. Parla. Parla, yes. Which is Spanish. Not French. I suppose, but is that the correct nomenclature? Or the preferred nomenclature? I don't know if it's preferred, but it is, and as I re-Google it, it is, I do believe, a, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm willing to say yes, it is. Okay. It's just another way of saying it. Maybe that's popular on the West Coast. Hmm. Although, it's funny, you search for Parla Usted Inglés, and all I get is Big Lebowski. That's all, like, it's everything's Big Lebowski. Although, if I put it through translate.google.com, it says, you speak English. Right, it says, did you mean parlay usted inglés? Parlar in inglés, parlay. Hmm. You know, you'd, you'd, you wouldn't know that I actually studied Spanish in college, although <laughs> not a whole lot. I took three years of it in college and three or four years of it in high school. I'm barely able to ask for the bathroom. Yeah. Well, I feel like we never went over the verb parlar. I feel like we've never done that. We, I never did that in all my Spanish studies, which was th four years in high school. And only one semester in college. Most of the time, the professors would, you know, if you tried real hard on the oral exam and, you know, gave, gave yourself a good uh, dialect, like used the proper accent and, like, just spoke with inflection, like you were trying. That was usually enough to get you at least a passing grade. They, they'd have some sympathy. You know, the one-on-one -on -one oral and be like, hmm, oh, muy bien. Entonces, uh, también, uh, uh, cocino la cocina uh, muy bien con, uh, con gatos. You just, you at least try. You make the effort. And you don't sound like some just terrible American. <laughs> right. Like he'd, parla usted inglés. As long as you didn't do that and you really made it sound conversational, you could squeak by on sympathy points. 
which is the only rational explanation for how I was able to pass Spanish 3. Spanish 3. See, I took Spanish 3. I just skipped 1 and 2. I could not skip. I skipped 1. I took 2 and 3. But to go straight to 3 was a bit of a leap. It hurts at first. It does. Because I think that, I'm not sure, but I think that might be the first time when like the class is conducted entirely in Spanish. Yes, kind of like... And um, so you get in there, there's no safety net. It's like you can't, it's just Spanish, that's it. There is no like, okay, let me explain to you first how some of this language stuff works. Right. It's just, here it is, we're speaking Spanish. What's well, like, I didn't want to take Spanish. I'd had enough of it in high school, so I thought, even though I couldn't even speak it, but I was like, I'm going to take something cool. I'm going to take Russian. So I, instead of Spanish... Maybe my sophomore year. Like, I'm going to take Russian. And I show up the first day of class. First of all, it's like everybody already had the books and it was like two or three chapters in. And like already knew shit. And I was like, uh, isn't this like Russian one, man? And I didn't realize until that first day of class they have a different fucking alphabet. <laughs> right, yeah. It's not no. the same alphabet. Yeah. How could I not know this? I grew up in uh, Cold War era Hollywood filmmaking right. times. I've seen Red Dawn. Like, I don't realize the Russians have a different alphabet. The Second F. episode in a row we mentioned Red Dawn. Hmm. But yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, different alphabet. A whole new layer of complexity. Anyway, that didn't last too long. I didn't... Right keep taking that i'm like i'm gonna go back to the comfortable world of spanish right a language which they speak primarily which is or i should say the language that is primarily spoken on this continent right that is right and and has most of the same shapes to look at exactly that sound more or less the same right f sounds there like is a, no like f. yeah there is no like triangle with a bar through the top. What is that? I is don't it know. a D? You know, is it a Q? I don't know what it is. Right. They have different names for them. I always, uh, but I always thought that the Rich Lebowski was deliberately like mishmashing languages in this scene. Well, does he say I, anything else in other languages? I don't think so. I don't think so. And I really, it's not the time or place for it, but I really want to understand the Jackie Treehorn angle. It's what bothers me about this movie. I don't understand the Jackie Treehorn angle of this movie. You know, when they add Jackie Treehorn in, that's where I feel like, and we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but that's where I feel like this movie is starting to like way be weighed down a bit like oh here's a whole new other set you know when he first like get he shows up at jackie treehorn's place right right it's like now this is happening and they deliberately do that where you don't know what's happening you literally you're just looking at this spectacle what yeah it's weird. I don't understand putting that in, what its purpose is. 
I, I guess it's a kind of motivating factor for uh, just Bunny's recklessness. I can't, not a motivating factor, but uh, I mean, well, it motivates the rug incident and the face toilet incident, but I just don't, I don't think they fully integrate that storyline into this. I don't know. And it gets a little confusing because not that I have to have everything laid out on a little plate. Clearly, here's the here's the appetizer, here's the main course, here's the dessert. But you want to have a clear-cut protagonist and an antagonist, and I think Jackie Treehorn's character clouds that issue a bit. In a way that maybe wasn't intentional. Well, who is the antagonist? The antagonist is probably the Rich Lebowski. Or is it the... Nihilists? The Nihilists? I would say it's the Rich Lebowski. He's the one perpetrating the scheme. He's the one trying to pull the wool over the dude's eyes. And when the dude finally uncovers enough clues, that's where he's led to. Everybody else was just peripheral. It's just he's an antagonist that we're not aware of. The dude is not aware of. We're not even aware that he's the antagonist through most of the movie. It's a strange choice. Well, he's not the antagonist. He's not in most of the movie. I mean, he could be like the guy behind the antagonist, right? Like the emperor to versus Darth Vader, right? Perhaps he's the emperor, but he's not the Darth Vader. Okay, Lord of the Rings. Who's the antagonist? Sauron. You see him for five minutes in the beginning, and then there's just an eye. Still the antagonist. I don't think you have to no, see somebody for that. Isn't to be the antagonist? Isn't the antagonist the the evil sorcerer? Saruman. Saruman. No, he's out of there by two so, towers, pretty much. You have Sauron and Saruman. I don't know why you would have two people with such similar-sounding names. It always irritated me. Uh, yeah, that. But you know, it's like. This world of Lord of the Rings is just like the real world to J.R.R.R. Tolkien. Right, I guess, but and why? And so, like, that could happen in the real world, right? We have Osama bin right. Laden and Obama president, you know, like... Barack why? Hussein Obama. Exactly. Not just Obama, Osama, Hussein, Hussein. It's not even a variation. It's the same. That alone was enough to convince me there was just not a chance in hell that he would get elected. I figured that would be enough for like enough people just to be terrified of his middle name to not elect him. Right. But amazingly, there was enough people that were not terrified right. of that. that. But the people that are terrified. Yeah. But the people that are terrified of that. 
Whew. They exist. They exist. You know, and it's kind of like it's, yeah, I don't know. Afraid of a name. We're just it's, talking about a name right now. We're just be talking like about a name. Adolf, you know, if there's someone named Adolf, you can't. Yeah. There's, there's too much associated with it. You can't give the person a real shot. Yep, there was a... It's just a sound you make with your mouth, you know? Yeah. Vice principal of my high school was named Adolf. Was he really? I bet everybody yeah. hated him. Well, he went by... Adolf? No, he went... I believe Dolph? it was... I believe it was Buzzy. <laughs> I might have that wrong, but I believe it was Buzzy. Buzzy. And it wasn't really like why you know again of course how could you have that name right it wasn't like even widely known like that was his name right you'd only like sometimes see like some official document he just if, went by Buzzy if you do a Google search of um, swastika buildings you will see the craziest shit on Google Maps. Like apartment complexes, not just one, there's multiple of them, just in swastika shapes. You see the aerial view, they're just sw swastikas. Now, yep. as, as an architect, you see the shape, you have plans, you see the shape. It can't be an accident. Why would you make a, your, you know, $50 million apartment complex into swastikas? Well, how many of them were made prior to the Nazis, you know, adopting that symbol? Couldn't tell you. But that would have had to have been the 30s. They didn't look that old. I don't know what a 70, 80-year-old apartment complex looks like. but There's apparently a town called Swastika, Swastika, Ontario. But that was probably named before 1934. Yeah, probably. Well, as they always, as people are always, I don't know, overly clever people are always quick to point out, it's actually like, you know, an, like a positive, you know, in Indian symbol. Supposed to really let the chi flow like wine? Something like that. It remains widely used in Indian religions, specifically in Hinduism, Buddhism, and Jainism, primarily as a tantric symbol to evoke Shakti, or the sacred symbol of auspiciousness. The word swastika comes from the Sanskrit svastika, su meaning good, asti meaning to be, and ka as a suffix. That was a tricky one for you, right there. It was. The swastika literally means to be good. Well, could also be translated as being with higher self. Different interpretations yes. of uh, being good. The Western world and perhaps the whole world, yeah, that symbol's kind of been ruined. Yeah. You just, Thanks a lot, Adolf. Not allowed to use that anymore. Although we do have the avatar for our Twitter account is Saddam Hussein, so... True enough. If that's the same as but a swastika, but but it's Hussein relegated to a uh, bowling alley. Bowling alley, dude. Sky. Yeah. Yeah. 
Geometrically, this swastika can be regarded as an irregular icosagon or 20-sided polygon. We've gone from Sputnik-like shapes to icosagons. Yeah, we, we're covering all the shapes, slowly but surely. How many Sputnik? shapes there are? You can't just draw a random shape and have that be a shape. Like a scribble. Here's a squiggle my two-year-old daughter drew. Well, that's not an official shape. How many official shapes? This is the information age. Well, can you combine... Dodecagons, like, isn't that? It's like 12-sided something. You're combining two hexagons. That's dumb. Could you combine, like... I mean, you have a circle. You have a half circle. I'm trying to imagine shapes that combine, like... Very sharp angles, like a triangle or a square. And also curves. A Sputnik would do that. But I can't think of any other shape that would do that. Does a Sputnik combine sharp angles and curves? Well, I'm imagining a Sputnik being circular with these kind of projections coming from it, but the projections aren't just lines. They're kind of like wider at the base where it touches the circle. So kind of like these really long triangles intersecting mm. a circle oh, that's okay. in my I mind what a, just as lines hmm. I, I don't think a shape can have just a line you know what i mean well right like, but imagine how weird that is thing it's not just the line portion of it so a shape can have you know one unit one uh, piece of a shape can be a line can it I see what you mean, because then there's no vo you can't calculate the volume. Exactly, exactly. Like, it's infinitely thin. It, it doesn't exist at that point. Yeah, no, that probably would create a problem at some point. And then at the ends of these little projections, there are, like, other circles. Circles, yeah, other circles. Yeah, but you're right. That probably could not be a line. What about um, uh, fractals? Is a fractal a sh shape? Well, this, these are my concerns, dude. I'm gonna put that in the Google. Is a fractal a shape? A fractal is generally a rough or fragmented geometric shape that can be split into parts, each of which is, etc. a reduced size copy of the whole. So it is indeed a shape. Yeah, yes. it would be a shape. It's like this two-dimensional piece. Now, whether or not that has like rounded edges and sharp angles, it could just be an illusion because it's, you know, well, it's so detailed, right? Like, yeah. it's, well, that's the whole point with the fractal. You know, as you zoom in, it continues to be de more and more detailed. Right. To infinity, in theory. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I think the rough angles probably are not actually rough angles. They're just an illusion of the density of shapes. 
Maybe. Or maybe they're all rough angles and there are no rounded edges even though it looks like rounded edges. Fractals are found in a lot of African cultures in the way that they design their villages, in a lot of their art. Um, if you Google Africa fractals, this guy did a years-long study about their incorporation of the idea of fractals into basically everything they did. I have not heard this. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Ron Eglash is the man's name, um, and it's called uh, The Fractals at the Heart of African Designs. But it, it goes way deeper than that. And, you know, the their villages will be like, they'll, they'll base the fractal shape of the village on, like, social standing. Um, and then the, the thinnest areas around, the, like, a circle will be the ones with the lowest social standing. And then they'll get denser and denser as they move their way around, and they'll be more and more important, and then it'll come in towards the center, and then it'll be... You know, more important people, more um, like a spiritual center is right there in the middle. And then within the spiritual center, there's like building within building within building within building down to like a tiny little area that's supposed to hold the essence of uh, whatever. Okay. Crazy. But you see, you can look up. Uh, maybe we'll put some of this on the Tumblr, but you can look up images of this and see you know, aerial shots of villages. It's like, wow, you had to plan that. And it's intentional. When you talk to them, they're like, yes, we do that on purpose. There's something essentially spiritual about it to them. Interesting. You know, I'm going to start getting into, like, fractals like that. I think I'm it's gonna good. I'm gonna start organizing things that way. I see these layouts of like the uh, the uh, the fractal village. Mm -hmm. Very. Yes, it's almost like yeah, like. I'm flabbergasted by it. Yeah, I don't even. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I never would have thought something like that would exist. No, but there it is. It's crazy. Crazy awesome. Yeah. Yeah. How about the homunculus? <laughs> Is that a shape? It, well, <laughs> it's it's fractal-like in the sense that it's a little man inside the head of a little man inside the head of a little man, etc. The little man inside me? And, and there's a little man inside him and a little man inside him. Yes, exactly. The homunculus? The, the homunculus, homunculus, yes. Plural homunculi. <laughs> oh, boy, I don't like that a lot. I kind of love it, actually. Homunculus. You know, I've heard that word and I think I've even used it jokingly several times but I did not know what it was until today in our you know exploring fractals 
I can't be looking at the right. H-O-M-U-N-K-U-L-U-S. Homunculus. C. C. Oh, this is a very different experience. Oh. Homunculus. <laughs> no, this is still not good. It's the same... The same off-putting creature. Are you looking at Wikipedia? No. I'm just Google searching images. Yeah, don't do that. Don't, don't do, do that. that. Do anything but that. Dude, yeah, never do that. <laughs> Especially with a word that could so easily be <laughs> perverted into so many other meanings. Um, little man inside the other man. So is this the same idea as, like, Herman's Head? Wasn't that the name of that sitcom? There's a little man up there. Remember the other different... Remember that show? Right. I don't really want to talk about that. It, I mean, it's historically referred to the creation of a miniature, fully formed human. Huh. So, like, I've heard... Yeah, so here it is. Pre-formation... Pre-formationism. Right. So the idea was... That inside... Well, so... the Inside the sperm, or perhaps the egg... It can contain a pre-formed individual... Called an... Animiculis. And Mick Animiculis. Or is this uh oh man, the folklore of the homunculus is out of control. But um so the you know those things you use to sketch the human figure with? They have yes. all the joints and you would right. that be a homunculus? Yes. That, that, that would, right? It's like it's any It's now used to mean any type of scale, mon scale model of the human body. Right. So, I am familiar with that. What all, all a so, homunculus really means is like a small person, like a small, fully formed person, like miniature, micro. Rep representation. Not of just a like person. a person who's short, that's only like, you know, five foot five, but like a, you know, micro. Like inside a sperm cell, right? So that's where I was getting at. They used to think that like inside a sperm was like a person, like a fully formed man was just sitting in there. Like kind of like, you know, kind of in the fetal position in there. Like, you know, like at the tip of the sperm, he's like, ro he's the payload, rocketed out. Right. right. I mean, it's not that far off if you think about it. Well, it's pretty far off. I mean, you get the sperm goes to the egg. It does eventually create that shape. It eventually creates that shape, right. but it's it's not preformed. That shape becomes for, formed, right? I think that's an important distinction. Okay, but if it's you know the year seven hundred and two, right? Like, well, actually, it's like them, the year sixteen ninety five. Sixteen ninety five. Some dude, like you know, microscopes were just becoming like a thing. Some guy was like, you know, I'm gonna look at some sperm. I'm gonna look at some semen. See what's in there. Saw the sperm. And said, oh, I can see the little men in there. Right. There they'll they do, are. They'll do nearly any task. <laughs> right. 
And as for compensation, there's little they will ask. There's little or a little. Do we know that? So you're going to make me look that up now? <laughs> I think it's a little. Because they're two very different meanings. Right. Little, he would ask, means you really don't want anything. There's a little, you want something. Yeah, just a little something something, right? Yeah, a little something something. Little man and me wants a little something According something. to lyricsfreak.com, it says, as for compensation, there's a little he will ask. Yeah, a little. He definitely wants something. Yeah. A homunculus, homunculus could also be those uh, Russian doll things. You know, it's like the big no. doll, and you open well, it up, you take the head off, and there's a smaller one inside, smaller, smaller, smaller. I mean, that's kind of the idea of, like, preformationism, right? That, that's homunculus and fractals. Right, yeah, it's fractals. But I don't say that's homunculus. I mean, a homunculus is like an anatomically correct person. That's in scientific fields, though. This does not, this is more, this is artistic. Right. I think it could take different forms. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm confused between the relation between the homunculus and the fractal pattern. I guess in some ways, humunc humunculi were fractal in nature. Like, if you look at the whole preformation argument, right? Yes, it was definitely like that. It was just like peeling away the layers. Right. Right. And with that, in essence, if you think, like, so if there's a little guy in the sperm, that little guy, he's a little furly formed man. He's he got has sperms. his own sperm with people right, in them. Men. So in essence, it's turtles all the way down. Yes, man. exactly. So in essence, out you know from one man, from me is all the thousands of generations. They're all alive right now. Yes, exactly. Inside me, tinier and tinier, going all the way down. But they're all there. And They've again, all already been formed and exist. <laughs> again, I say to you, that's not that far off. It's just that they're not fully formed already. No, it's far off. It's far I mean, off, man. Because they, no, they, there's, the next generation in no way exists. Like a sperm is one cell. It doesn't have any other, feet. Like like it doesn't. Like, you know, and if you go down, like, the next generation, only half of that genetic material is going to come from me. And then the next generation down, you get a quarter of that. So it's not like they're preformed. I think that's the, I mean... Well, that's the whole thing. They're not preformed, but... If, I think, I think if, it's an... Yeah. The flip side of that is that every woman has, you know, a little woman curled up inside each of the eggs. It's DNA. It's just really... You know, the first uh, inklings of DNA, maybe. I'm just trying yeah. to give it some credit here. Right. You well, yeah. Imagine sure. living in a world where there, this knowledge didn't exist. Right. You know, you're trying your damnedest to understand anything around yeah. you. Well, well, if you were alive at that time, would you notice that children had features both of their mother and father? No idea. You know, and that kind of just puts to rest that theory right there no idea like oh it has has mommy's yeah. eyes and, and daddy's biceps or whatever i don't know <laughs> right 
My butt chin. Yeah, exactly. So how about this Lebowski movie? I heard there's a movie with Jeff Bridges in it. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. A movie that counterintuitively or unexpectedly I understand less the more I watch it. Yeah. Well, that's the problem with a lot of movies when you try, especially ones that have these like convoluted plots of this person double crosses this person. When you really try to look at it, it becomes like, I don't understand how it was possible. So the whole time he just invited him in knowing that he would actually like steal the Falcon. Like, how did the like, what if he didn't do that? You know what I mean? Like, there's always weird things like that. Yeah, I know. That make note when you look at movies that have plots like this. I think you have to say then the only reason we're seeing it and it's it is a movie is because all of the events happen a certain way. It's like there should only be one movie. Look at this fantastic chain of events. We get to witness it because it was so amazing that they made a visual spectacle of it. Here, look. The problem is there's lots of movies. So every time you turn one on, you expect to see this fantastical chain of events, but you can't, uh, I don't know, maybe it's part of that, there's only so many stories. So the right. more you try to like twist it up and make it original, yeah. uh, the, the greater the chances are you will fall flat on your face. Well, I mean, I can understand that there's some kind of fantastical incident that occurs, right? Like that starts this off. Mm -hmm. That might be somewhat improbable. But when you start getting into like, okay, so here's a character who's scheming, and his scheme involves something that doesn't really like make like there's no way you could really have schemed that, right? I, I'm not explaining it at all, right? But I mean, the thing I keep thinking too is something like uh, nah, I'm not gonna go there more Star Wars stuff. But yeah, in all these movies, I always say, if you really try to think about it, I always run into that question of like... What's the Star Wars stuff? Ben Kenobi, like, hiding out in the caves, waiting for Luke to, like, no. come visit him or something? No, it's more all episode one stuff. Oh. Well. Which, have you heard, like, I think they call it Machete Order? Some guy wrote a really, really long thing, which you don't have to read the whole thing. It's crazy how long it is. But talking about the proper order to watch, you know, the, the, the six Star Wars movies. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, can you just give me the cliff notes and tell me what he thinks the proper order is? The order would be Episode 4, Episode 5, Episode 2, Episode 3. Or no, Episode... Yeah, episode two, episode three, episode six, and then cut out episode one. You don't need to watch it. It doesn't fit into the trilogy. It's in no way meaningful to the overall story. Why? If you want, you can watch it as an appendix. Like, oh, here's a, you know, like, extra piece, extended universe kind of thing. Like reading the Silmarillion. Oh. What? Uh, what's? I don't understand why you would go four, five, two, three, six. So what it does is, one, it preserves the surprise that Darth Vader is Luke's father. Okay. So okay. you start there, and you start with Luke and his story. Spoiler alert! Yep. I just spoil it all, man. So Luke, start with, you know, his story, and his, you know, story is very accessible to get into this, right? Mm -hmm. So start with four, go on to five, then at the end of five, you, get, you find out, you know... 
uh, Darth Vader's Luke's father, and then you skip. It's almost kind of like a flashback in a way. Okay, now let's find out Darth. Now that we know about Darth Vader and Luke, we have the question: Well, how did that happen? Right? How did Luke's father become Darth Vader? How is Luke Darth Vader's son? You know, and then it, then we okay. So then we show that story, right? And that story of having Vader. You know, and when you first meet, um. Anakin in episode two, right? He is kind of a bit of a hothead, a little bit of a dick, right? Like it almost makes sense. It flows in there naturally, right? Mm -hmm. Seeing him as a, you know, eight year old boy, like it's inconsequential, really. And like no events of that story ever have any payoff or connection to anything else in any other movie. Is that true? I guess that's true. There's like one, there's like, he mentioned like one or like one exception. There's like one thing. I that, think that, so little of that movie that yeah exactly so the you see that are lost on me yeah and then you end with six because six is really the story of both Luke and Darth Vader you know it ends with Darth Vader's redemption it has the most the best ending you know for the whole series you know it ends on the you know epic battle you know Darth Vader comes back to the light side big celebration the Empire's over you know it's the it's the best ending you know I think it makes a whole lot of sense it does make a crude sort of sense but but episode one has you know I have tried you know and making fun of episode one I definitely you know I go through phases but there's definitely times when I really like to just think about how bad that movie is it's really bad it's really really bad and it makes no sense when you start to like try to imagine like what are these trade federation guys doing and what what did the Jedi think would happen like it doesn't make it starts to really like make so little sense it's I never even spent that much time thinking about too much of the political or whatever ramifications right. any of that but it was just bad on like fundamental levels of filmmaking that it didn't I, I just couldn't rate it high enough to spend that much time on it right right just no. like bad editing in particular there's a scene where you know Qui-Gon is trying to run away from Darth Maul out in the desert and the ship, the shiny silver phallic ship is taking mm-hmm. off and he jumps up yes. into the ship. Yes. It just That bugged me. The makes first no time sense. I watched that, it bugged me. So it, they're, I they're like trying to show like, oh he's a Jedi. He did some kind of super flip up onto this ship that was maybe like forty feet above the ground or something. But they don't but show it. They don't show it. <laughs> and it's like, you know, maybe in like nineteen seventy nine you could get away with that. Right. But this, keep in mind, and here's... They shot it all on a green screen. Yeah. Here's a... You can't do a pickup? (laughs) I know. And here's what I think is the the real downside of that, is that that movie came out the same year as The Matrix. Right. And The Matrix, I think, redefined special effects, especially as it relates to action sequences... Totally. Green screen. Anytime you're going to, you know, do a chroma key, you're going to composite some crap together. Yes. But, well, so you might not be following what I'm saying. I'm saying the Matrix was good. Yes, it was. It took things forward, right? What I'm saying, though, is that it was using the same components, the same bare ingredients, for the most part, that episode one was using. 
But right. the Matrix did it in a way that, like you said, revolutionized yes. cinema. <laughs> like, so I'm used to, like, you know, coming to see episode one with, I'd seen The Matrix previously, and I was like, all right, you know, you should see, you should be able to see this Jedi jump into the spaceship. Like, I just saw, like, you know, um, Carrie Ann Moss, like, swing on a cable from a helicopter and crash into a glass wall and smash it or what, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. We should, yeah, you should be able to see this stuff. Like, compare, like, the martial arts action in The Matrix to the lightsaber battles. Just Ugh. pales in comparison, right? If The Matrix had not come out, maybe this would have been pretty cool. But it's like, they got one up there. The Matrix, in my mind, in, in some ways, I mean, you can never redo what the original Star Wars did to Hollywood blockbuster action filmmaking, which, in essence, it invented it. In a lot of ways. Or maybe yes. in all ways. So you can never redo that, per se. But The Matrix, I think, is as close as I'd seen happen. Like, as, in terms Quite of a possibly. huge leap. So, all of a sudden, so they made this movie. They're like, okay, we made this movie. It's in the can. Then The Matrix comes out. Okay, now everything's one-upped. Oh, here's this movie we filmed last year let's put this in theaters like oh this doesn't really stack up it's like a beatles and beach boys situation yeah Yeah. and i'm not even talking about all the ways that a movie really has to be good in terms of acting and having a story basically visual spectacle of it yeah which is a huge part of star wars of course and it just did, did not work it did not work in any of the three movies the visual spectacle was horrible Really? It's, it seemed like they started to get the hang of it by whatever, Revenge of the Sith. Is yeah. that the last one? That was the last one. Yeah, it was close in that one. I mean, they that was. started getting it, but even that is like, you're just now getting, getting the gist of things. Right. Do you yeah. think it's possible, though, that Lucas flew too close to the sun with his embracing. Um, acquisition on digital video. Meaning he went... The Matrix was shot on film. Right. Um, Quite possibly. I mean, I think without a doubt, his reliance on digital effects is a big part of the downfall. And in lots of ways. And not just in the fact that you know, they would have these scenes taking place in these rooms, in these cats, and none of it was real. None right? of it, right. All shot in a room with green screens. All right. it was was an actor in a blank room. And it, I think the movie suffered for that. You know, it, it wasn't done realistically enough. I think the actors' performances suffered from that. And they were, like, boxed in. Like, they weren't able to react to where they were. Um, you know, they would be in this room that would only be, like, maybe however many feet wide, right? Or they'd be on some little platform. And they would have to... Like, they couldn't move within the environment. They were stuck. Like, okay, here's the mark. You know, you have to stand there. 
No. Someone points out how, like, in some of these scenes, right, like, it'll be two characters walking, especially the Jedi. They're always, like, walking somewhere, right. talking, having Seriously. their long dialogue. Seriously. And sometimes, walking. like, walking so slow, right? It's because the room where they filmed this was really, they only had, like, you know, 50 feet of walkway to walk in this green screen room, even though they're in a cavernous, like, hangar bay. Right. Is what it looks like. And then there, here's here's 10 pages of dialogue for you guys to run through while you walk 50 feet. <laughs> it, like, it, yeah. Well, but uh, The Matrix was shot on film, but in a similar fashion. A lot of that was just people in a green room. But it had... Yeah. Probably as a byproduct of casting Keanu Reeves in the lead role, very minimal focus on dialogue. So instead of having to traverse a gigantic cavernous room that doesn't exist and cram 10 pages of dialogue into 50 feet of space, we're going to stretch out this three seconds of no dialogue, just dodging some slow yeah. motion bullets into like 45 seconds. So it's kind of like went in the opposite direction, right? And I think they just used, they just used that technology, quote unquote, better. And yeah. part of that, I guess that's why I mentioned I don't want to defend Lucas too much for being the death of all that Star Wars represented. But when I said flew too close to the sun, it's you know acquiring your footage digitally, like he did was a ballsy move and I think it's just part of that was learning how to use that technology it's a different storytelling um, technique I guess it's a different way of telling stories similar to I would think the high frame rate crap is for Peter right. Jackson yeah well, I, I think there's something to that because those movies, they're so like sharp and day glowy. It's awful though. It's and just no, not Yeah, but it's good. awful. You it's not good. None of it's even it when they're something. like in the desert in Tatooine, it still just seems like perfectly, like perfectly quaff, like just, just perfect. Like people with perfect skin. There's no like dirt anywhere. There's no sand, mm -hmm. right? Like, they're, like, you know, like show dust. a shot of like, yeah, dust dust on sticking to his sweaty forehead or like you know let his hand actually have like some sand stuck to it or something like, there's nothing like that it's like a com sterile that is the word sterile right completely sterile no matter where you are right sterile and whereas the first ones were organic there's nothing organic about them yes completely right and if i was to use a word to describe the matrix it would be visceral also sterile though when they're actually in the matrix but, but that's by it design works for the story yes that is by design though yes but also though there's the contrast because they go out of the matrix and it's no longer sterile like those people are sweaty right dirty R ripped up clothes yeah practically smell them mm -hmm. exactly so welcome to Incest in Space, Brad and Adam's Star Wars podcast. Yes. <laughs> I want to watch The Matrix again now. It's a good movie. Is that on Blu-ray? Must be. Gotta be. 
that'd be worth revisiting that in HD. Now, what do you think about the second one? Uh, you know, I haven't watched it a whole lot. Me either. I think when I watched it the first time, I was like, well, there were some scenes that were a little weird, but overall, you know, it had some pretty good Matrix action, like the, you know, the fight on top of the tractor trailer. So it's like, yeah, yeah some pretty great action, like the Matrix-style action. Like that was that's, awesome. It was good, that- and, you know, there's going to be a part two, so let's see that, and, you know, but part two was really, really bad. You notice I didn't ask about that one. Yeah. So it kind of, part two just ruins part one. Yeah. By part one, I mean, you know, part one of the two-part sequel, you know, weird way they did it. And really the problem is The Matrix did not need a sequel. Like, The Matrix stands alone so perfectly as a movie. You know, it ends with Neo in the phone booth saying, you know, I'm going to show these people a world without you. Boom. Like, that's all you need to know. Than to actually go and like try to dramatize this, it's the same problem with the prequel. Like you bite off too much that you can chew. You have some concept that's better left to the imagination. Just better left. Like here is a concept. Boom. We're gonna sit there versus like okay now let's go into a six hour long <laughs> set of films to explain how this happened. Right. Like we don't need a movie that shows how the machines eventually took over Earth. To add to the Matrix. You know what I mean? That, that's a fundamentally different movie. It's just fundamental. Like, you just don't need it. Like, the Matrix takes place in a world where that has happened. That's all you need to know. You don't need to make that movie. <laughs> you don't need to. Don't make it. You know, you yeah. didn't need to make the movie showing, like, how, like, the Empire rose and, you know, Anakin became Darth Vader. You didn't need to make that. Maybe we you already could have spent... Knew it. Um, a fraction of those resources showing Qui-Gon jump into the ship. Yes. <laughs> and really, what is the point of episode one? Going back to this, like, you can just leave it out. Like, Qui-Gon dies. Qui-Gon gets introduced and dies. Darth Maul dies. Uh, we see Obi-Wan. We, we see him. We see Anakin... We see Anakin as an eight-year-old boy, a blow up the spaceship or whatever, and it's like, um, when I first met your father, he was already an experienced star pilot. I don't know. Only a master of evil, Darth. You fell into that trap almost just a few minutes ago, referring to Darth Vader by his, what we thought was his first name, Darth. Right, right. Yeah. No way to work around that one, I guess. Nope. Not to mention, and well, we talk, didn't we talk about this last time? <laughs> we talk about Star Wars every time. Yeah, Darth <laughs> Vader is some kind of middle manager. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing to... Yeah, I don't know. Like, you just didn't need to do it. It was better the way it was. It was better the way it was. It didn't even matter if those three movies were awesome... It still doesn't matter. We didn't need them. Make awesome movies with a new story. Totally. Don't just try to, like, let's flesh out all the little details that were left. Like, it, it, you don't need it. And then it just ruins the other material. It's like Lucas made fan fiction of his own movies. <laughs> that is exactly right. That is exactly what it is. That is perfect. 
There's only so much humor I can extract from that. It's you know because it's mostly just depressing. Yeah. Well, you know we'll see episode seven. I can only think it'll be better. The expectations have been set so right. low at this point. And it, it could literally, it could only be better. It would be impossible for it to be worse than episode I, one. I would think. I would think that's true. There's no conceivable way that could happen, so. Just be careful. Don't build it up now at all. Right. Definitely. Oh, hey. So. Oh, hey. <laughs> Managed to not talk about the movie too much. But, you know, I think. Good job. I think that's fine. I don't see any problem with that. I think the movie, Lebowski, is really just a jumping off point. <laughs> To exploring the entire world around us. Homunculi, swastikas, Star Wars, visceral versus sterile versus organic <laughs> movies. It's perfect. Yes. FDR and really, and his yeah, the only thing dog. from this minute that I really want to stress is just the dude's reaction. Right? And this is what really makes you know Lebowski such a great movie, such a resonant film. Such an enjoyable movie, and it's nothing to do with, you know, analyzing the plot or talking about lighting or anything else. It is simply the dude's face as this right. guy gets angrier and angrier, and the dude just looks so bewildered. He's just like, "What's going on? Like, what? I don't know, huh?" Like his he's best just... reaction though is when the rich Lebowski first enters the room. He's just looking at him like. He's witnessing some zoo animal or something that he's never seen. He's just tickled. He's almost tickled by by his appearance, just his existence. He's just looking like, ah, 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 look at that. Right. Well, he's stoned out, stoned out of his gourd, right? Sure. And everything is there for his amusement. You know, like right before one that, of these windows is unlocked, by the way. What, what, oh, I see. You mean behind him? Yeah. So, what makes a window unlocked? If the the little lock thing is up, or if it's if it's down? Uh, horizontal. Horizontal. Yeah, the one in the middle is horizontal. Yeah. So, why was the window open? Perhaps he needed it for his ransom note. He needed maybe. some some maybe, air. Maybe he was peeking out there to look at the pool, see what Bunny and the Nihilist were doing. Maybe he wanted some fresh air. Yeah. So, so from this minute, I think there's two, two, uh, two takeaways. Two images. One okay. is the Rich Lebowski behind his desk, and there it is laid out: tweezers, magnifying glass, little squares of paper. What is he working on? Could it be a ransom note? Probably. The paper's S awfully square, like hard-edged it was mentioned that it could possibly be like laminate material but I, I don't know if I buy that it doesn't look laminate to me at all it looks like magazine print well laminate in the case it is like it's not like paper like it is look like to me like um like magazine print like a kind of like very flimsy but but somewhat glossy yes like you could be cutting these letters out of like magazine versus like a newspaper there's the one piece there that is like two pieces that have been separated. Almost looks like 
a weird kind of matchbook or something. You know, the one is up at an angle. Right. Well, to me, it looks like it's like just folded in half, perhaps, is what I was thinking. Uh, okay. Okay, so image one is the desk, everything laid out. What's the yes. other image? Image two is the dude slouched in the chair, just, like, confused and bewildered. Like, what's happening now? Like, this guy's, like, angry. I don't understand what he's even talking about. Like, it's so simple, it's a rug, and this guy's, like, going on and on about something. It's like they both don't understand. Like, there's no understanding. Because, like, the Bridge Lebowski is like, I, what are you talking about? The rug? None of, why should I have to? And the dude is just like, dude. Like, he's just like, I, he, his phrase, he just doesn't understand what's happened at oh, all. But nobody is scamming anyone here, man. Yeah. I wish I could get in on that bell, the reflections in that bell a little more. Enhance. Right. Enhance. 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 All right, are we ready to put a fork in this? Poop tech. Poop tech. I encourage the listener to send more questions. Yes. The listener can do that at gutterballs.tv or, uh, you know, hit us up on Twitter, man. Yep, Twitter would be a good way. And yes, as well as gutterballs.tv, there's a contact link there. There's a nice little form. You can just fill it out. You can have your words transformed by the inimitable Gutterballs VO God. It's quite a thrill. Real thrill. And the question doesn't even have to be about the movie. Preferably not. I mean, we talk about the movie so much. I would love to get another uh, topic in there. Can only help. But yeah, poop deck in time, probably. Yep. Once again, thank you, my friend. Uh, a fantastic time, as always. As always. Excelsior. A humunculus time. Humunculus, exactly. Which actually means a small time, but it sounds like a giant time. Right. And it's I'm, confusing I just, that it's way. It's kind of like the man in me. I use it for texture. I just appreciate its texture, not its meaning. It is a very textured word. Next time on Gutterballs. Are you employed, sir? Employed? <laughs>